Live from this is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his ankle! Follow me! Follow me to freedom! Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering Podcast featuring New York sports talk and long-suffering fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. Got a big show this week. For the first time in about 19 weeks, from March 12th, when the last spring training games were played, to July 23rd, Thursday night, when the Yankees will be on the field taking on the Washington Nationals in D.C., we have team sports back. It has been a long 133 days between team sports. I know we've had the UFC most of the time. Golf came back in June, and it's been going pretty well. NASCAR has been back. But for the four major team sports, plus college sports, college basketball, college football, nothing since March 12th, which is remarkable when you think about it. And this could be the point of time where, you know, we just sit here, we celebrate sports fans. You know what? Sports are back. Hooray. A little bit of normalcy. But it's okay to have mixed feelings about this because the coronavirus is still raging on in this country. This is not South Korea where the KBO started after a couple of weeks and they've had cases of a couple of thousand and or Taiwan or Germany, places like that where they've gotten the virus under control or New Zealand where they're bringing fans back. There's no cases for about three weeks. We are still in the midst of a mess. And this could all go sideways any second. If you think about it. You respect all the players who are attempting to make this happen. The leagues come up with these intense plans of testing, social distancing, wearing masks, quarantining people who test positive. This model, what we should have been doing as an entire country, by the way, but I'm going to leave that to the size of the point. The fact of the matter is, like, sports are back. Yes. Can we be high about it? Yes. Can we also be concerned about it? Yes, we have to be. Because at the same time as this is going on, you do have a lot of potential things that go wrong here. If the virus spike continues, it gets untenable. These sports could get shut down again by local governments say, you know what? We can't divert resources to sports teams when we have more pressing issues of the virus. Outside the tri-state, the virus is not under control at all. It's a complete disaster. Think about that for a minute. Places like Texas, Florida, Arizona, California, where a lot of the big sports teams are located. The virus cases are still going up, 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 up. But we are pressing on. MLB will be first up. NBA shortly after. NHL shortly after them. NFL sounds like we're trending towards no preseason. We have extended training camp and then get to the regular season. If all goes well and... Knock on that wood every single day. I hope that things stay well in that front anyway. But the first time since March, we have actual current team sports to discuss. So this special two-part podcast this week. So, so much going on with the baseball. This episode right here, we're going to be joined in just a minute by Jason Stark in the opening tip from The Athletic. We're going to talk about his thoughts on the upcoming season and get some of his takes on the locals, all that good stuff with Jason Stark in just a bit. 
The baseball bee is also here as well. Will Schneiderhand, Anthony Sorbellini will be on. We're going to go deeper into the world of baseball, make our predictions for who makes the playoffs, talk more about the locals, make some award picks. That's coming up as well. To wrap up part one of our opening day special with the over-under, show me the money baseball edition, Phil Freya, our legal guy, will be here. We'll talk about the Mets sale. We'll do our over-under picks. Last year, I topped Phil by a hair. Lily can end the last day of the season. Dom Smith hitting the walk-off home or get the Mets the over. We will do those in part one. Part two, which will come out on opening day on Thursday, is this week's pop culture hit. And pop culture, by the way, is going to continue in this podcast for the time being because, as I said, sports is very fragile right now. Stuff could go sideways. I want to keep that going. It's been fun. We're going to have the pop culture crossover that this podcast has been teasing for a couple of weeks. Our pop culture team, Sandra Rosa, John Stanko, and Alan Austin got together with me. We did a baseball movie draft, and that will get you with a spirit for some baseball. We picked four rounds. That podcast is coming out on Thursday on opening day to help get you more ready for the season. So two parts to the podcast. Let's not waste any more time. We will go to Jason Stark in the opening tip right after this. Ready for this? The opening tip. And here we go. All right, we are back here. Opening day coming up on Thursday. Join me today. Somebody who I've been following for a long time in the baseball world. He covers the game for the athletic now. The great Jason Stark is on the line with me today. Jason, welcome. How are you? Mike, I am doing well, my friend. How are you? Doing very good. I'm a big baseball fan. I'm just so excited that baseball is finally getting started. I feel like a while felt like we never get here. <laughs> you and me both, man. Um, covering those labor talks, it just felt like there there was no finish line. You know, they just kept going and going and going running laps and somehow or other we're going to get started i hope we make it through the, to the finish line but we're going to get started i really can't wait i can't either and this is going to be a season unlike any other we've ever seen you've mentioned a couple of times in your writing for the athletic like we've had strange baseball seasons we had the 1981 split year we've had years started late because of strikes but this is a designed 60 game sprint to the finish like what are you looking forward to watching this season well, you know, we're used to the baseball season being a long, leisurely journey from April to September, you know, when the, when the season ends, the leaves are falling, the NFL's playing. Uh, it's it's a marathon. Not this year. Right? <laughs> this year is like the uh, Olympic 400-meter relay. And when you just start thinking about the urgency of these games. You know, my friend Andy Baggerly, who works with me at The Athletic, put it this way. One series is like the equivalent of an NFL Sunday now. You just can't afford to get swept, especially if you're playing in your division. So just the urgency of these games is going to be incredible. Yeah, it's going to be very exciting to watch. I mean, basically, like, winning one game is going to winning by three in a regular year, and I feel right. like it's also going to be a lot of things going on. They're going to be unusual. You've talked about some of them in the athletic. Like, what do you think are some things we could see in a sixty-game year we wouldn't in a hundred sixty-two-game year? Well, this is going to be a season of weirdness. 
There's there's no doubt about it. It's going to be the strangest season ever just because 60 games seems like a lot, but in terms of baseball, um, so, so many aberrational things happen in 60-game windows. And uh, Eno Saris and I just wrote a piece in The Athletic a week or so ago looking at this kind of thing, right? And so we had some goofy predictions of stuff that theoretically could happen, like the Tigers win the World Series. The Yankees miss the playoffs. Somebody hits 400, maybe way over 400. And you'd think, come on, what do you, you know, what have you been drinking? But I'll just give you an example, right? Like, how could the Tigers win the World Series? That makes no sense. But let's think it through. Last year, we had a team that for most of the season played like a 108-loss team. That was the Colorado Rockies. But there was a 60-game stretch in that season in which they played like a – let me think about this. They went 37-23, and 23, if I remember right. And a team that goes 37-23 and 23 in a 60-game season, if you look at the projections, that's probably going to be a number one seed in the playoffs. <laughs> So you look at that team and you think, wow, that's the best team in baseball. But over the long haul, the marathon catches up with with teams like that. But there's no marathon now. So a team that gets on a roll and gets it going, anything could happen. And I hope it does. Yeah, it'll be definitely fun to see. And I know you mentioned that certain teams could be well set up for the sprints as opposed to the marathon. Are there any sort of teams that you have your eyes on and say, you know what, like, Maybe in a shorter sample size, they're more dangerous than they would be if they had to play the full 162. Well, that's a really interesting question. Um, you know, let's, let's think about the Astros, for example. Um, I think there's no team that was helped more by playing with no fans than the Astros. You know, like the, the background noise to their season had, had this not happened was going to be a trash can lid symphony in the stands. Don't you think? And it, it just, I think it would have been exhausting. Now they just get to go play. That's still an incredibly talented team. Uh, it's time for Justin Verlander to heal. Uh, Lance McCullers to have more time to heal from the Tommy John surgery. Those are two incredibly important pieces of, of that pitching staff. Uh, that's a team I'm really fascinated by. I think the Reds are another team. Great arms, loaded up on bats, but it seemed like some of those bats were going to have to play out of position. Then along came that DH rule, and all of a sudden, that's not an issue, right? There's some place for Nick Castellanos um, to play, right, or Mike Moustakis to play and not have to worry about where their, their club could be a liability, that's a really intriguing team with a way easier schedule now, too. Six of their first 10 games are against the Tigers, so they're going to start 1-8 and eight this year. And then there's the Rays. You know, look at the Rays' versatility, depth, interchangeability of arms and position players. And I think all of that is such a big factor, potentially, in a season where like, you just never know. Somebody could get tangled up in a, in a COVID-19 protocol and not be a available for a game or a few games. The Rays will always have someone to plug in if somebody goes down at the last minute or becomes available at the last minute. So those three teams off the top of my head, 
company really benefit from this. Yeah, I think they do. And I want to touch on the – I'm in New York based now. I'm talking to Jason Stark from the Athletic. I want to touch on two locals. So the Yankees, obviously, right now they're mostly healthy heading into the year. As of the date, they may not have a role as Chapman on opening day, but as deep as any team in baseball, do you think this would set them up well for the short year, or would you be more worried that, like, you know, they're more prone to random this in a shorter sample size? <laughs> I mean, I think everybody can be prone to randomness. Um, it is a possibility. I didn't mention that we tried to document how the Yankees could miss the playoffs. You know, you can't go 30 and 30 in a season like this and make the playoffs. You can't go 28 and 32. Um, if you, if you have a stretch where they have say the kind of health issues that they had last year, or they, you know, they have two or three key arms who aren't available. Uh, and you lose them for two weeks. You know, two weeks in a normal season means nothing. Fifteen games out of a sixty-game season is twenty-five percent of the season. So, I mean, I think the Yankees should be a super team in a season of any length. But you never know. Uh, the, the one thing is, I do feel like uh, Garrett Cole is a monster. Was worth every penny. I want you to think about this, man. The last two years when he was in Houston, the Astros went. 50 and 15 when he started in the regular season. Wow. 50 and 15. So how many games do the Yankees start above 500 just because Garrett Cole's on their team? Eight? That's a huge thing in a 60-game season. Yeah, it is. I want to go across town to the Mets as well because not many people are talking about them right now as they were back in spring training, but I feel like I feel like they actually are pretty set up pretty well to win the division because I think their health is important. Their bullpen should bounce back. I don't think they're going to be as bad as they were last year. How do you feel about the Mets entering the short season? Well, you know, you, you, you ask about teams that could benefit from this setup in a short season. I think the Mets are one of them. Um, you know, like on the one hand, losing Syndergaard's a killer. It really is. Uh, there was so much buzz about the Mets this spring and, Part of it is always how good Noah Syndergaard could be on any given day. Well, that's not going to be a factor now. And so their staff's going to have to hold up. But Uanus Cespedes is one of the big X factors in the sport. Don't you think? I mean, in a, in a year where all of a sudden the DH drops out of the sky into the laps of National League teams, who's a better candidate to do that big poppy imitation than this guy playing for a contract. Um, just one of the big X factors in the game. I think Dylan Batantis is a big X factor. I think Edwin Diaz will be better. You know, he just, if, it would help if every time he gave up a hit, it didn't leave the park. That'd be, that'd be really useful. Um, really tough division. Not much separation among those top four teams, but I don't see a scenario where the Mets don't at least contend. And then it's if the bullpen allows you to win those games where you have a lead as opposed to last year, that's a playoff team. Yeah, I would agree with that logic. And it's also going to be interesting this year, sort of tracking these award situations because the relief, the signing is very fascinating because, I mean, Trevor Bauer said maybe the league winner, leader in wins would be seven or eight wins. Do you think maybe that, like, Somebody will backdoor a reliever sort of pitches in 25 games, does well, and wins the Cy Young, or it'd be maybe somebody like Jacob DeGrom going th- going four and two with a sick a 1.1 ERA winning the Cy Young. I, I don't know how the heck I'm going to vote on Cy Young this year, but just recognize that in 
in a 60-game stretch, the chance for somebody to have an ERA under one is crazy. Um, you know, Jack Flaherty had a 60-game stretch that the Cardinals played in last year where his ERA was under one. Remember Jake Arrieta? Uh, in what was his sign year 2015, right? Yes. His ERA, the Cubs' last 60 games. You know what it was? It was under a half. It was, if I remember this right, 0.35. So if if that happens, I think we know that guy's going to win the Cy Young. <laughs> but what happens if you have just this this bevy of aces who you know all have ERAs in the ones? Uh, it's going to be crazy to try and sort it out. I think it will, too. I also think it's going to be interesting for the MVP races as well because, like, you have all these sluggers who are put up similar numbers. I always have something that's interesting to me. is like, what if a guy like Shohei Otani pitches well and hits well? Maybe he's an X-factor in an MVP race in the American League. I'm just obsessed with Otani. Um, And never more than this year when you get him back on the mound. Another team that gets helped by the short season because he would not have been ready to pitch had we had a full season. And I just want you to recognize how great this guy has been. His career OPS is the same as Freddie Freeman's. And then in his other gig, his part-time gig, his hobby, pitching, he's got the same career ERA plus as Garrett Cole. Think about it. (laughs) Like, we really seriously have not seen anything like this since Babe Ruth. And I hope we see peak Shohei Otani this year because it'll be something to see. I have a question for you. Sure. Can, like Mike Trout is everybody's default MVP choice every year for good reason, but if he has to leave that team because his wife has a baby and he's gone for a week, week and a half, that's a massive chunk of a season like this. Does that almost make it impossible for him to win? What do you think? I would think it does just because enough guys can putting up numbers around the league. I mean, if Glaber Torres, the Yankees, for example, has like a great full season, Mike Trout misses 10 games. That's going to hurt Mike Trout's Maybe. chances. It's true. Although 50 games of Trout could equal 60 games of somebody else being great. This is That is true. And Mike Trout always seems to end up in the, in the top of the of the leaderboard anyway. So you figure he's going to be in the top three regardless of how, long he, how much he plays. Uh, that's always a good bet. Yeah. It, if, if you're, if you're going to stop by Vegas at any point, uh, I would bet on that. Yeah, I would like. I'm curious. Like, I think Otani actually is an outside shot if he does both things well, because that's going to be a separator compared to like all the other guys who have different. Like, all have similar. Like, oh, 18 home runs, 50 RBIs. Where Shohei can say I had like 12 home runs and I won six games on the mound. That could be very interesting. <laughs> yeah, you think? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I hope. Well, again, I hope he does. I'm a, I'm a little nervous about that intra squad game the first yeah. time back out after Tommy John where he walked seven. Yeah. You know, the, the one thing people do underestimate about Tommy John surgery is you basically have a whole new elbow and you've got to train that elbow to pitch again. So there, there might be some erratic stuff out there that wouldn't be what you'd see from him in a normal year. But again, I, I just hope we, we get, the great Otani at the plate and the great version on the mound. And then we'll see something that people saw in 1918. 
Yeah, it would be interesting. I, I want to get your, before I let you go, I want to get your opinion on two of the big rule changes. There's the DH and the NL and the extra inning rule with the run on second base and the 10th inning. you have any strong feelings on either of those? Well, yeah, actually. Um, you know, I'm probably the last person you would think would like the extra inning rule. I'm the, I'm the guy who cultivates all the weirdness and all the wackiness and all the 17 inning games where the left fielder's on the mound and the, the backup catcher's in the outfield. I, I mean, look, I love that stuff, but it, it, it really doesn't make any sense to play 17 inning games and blow up your staff in a season like this. And I've been talking to people who have spent time in the minor leagues, have managed in the minor leagues about this rule, and they've really got me excited about it because there's so much instant strategy the second that runner trots out to second. I'm really fascinated by it now. And I, I you know, initially I thought, well, it's just going to be bond them over, get them in. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that role in action. And then Universal DH, it, here are my reservations. Look, we know that pitchers can't hit, most of them. I get it. Okay, but that's kind of the fun of it. We've had so many cool moments when a pitcher did something special that we remember forever. All the, you know, the Madison Bumgarner two homers on opening day, the Bumgarner homers off Kershaw. I don't know how many times the MLB Network has rerun the Rick Camp home run at 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> you know, like those are iconic moments in the game. and I, So I'll miss that fun when a pitcher does something like that. So, I mean, that is part of it. And then the other part is, and I, I, I wrote about this in a big column on, on the numbers that define baseball, how teams use the DH so differently now. The, you know, you think of the DH as a place for a David Ortiz. That's not what is happening now outside of Nelson Cruz, uh, Chris Davis, theoretically Cespedes. You know how many guys started 130 games as a DH last season? I'm going to say maybe two. That answer is none. Wow. Zero. It's the first full season in history where no team started anybody at the DH spot 130 times. It just tells you that the the, the DH position has become uh, a place where teams just cycle guys through. They kind of want to give a rest, but still let them hit. Uh, the Yankees used 15 different guys to DH last year. Uh, that's the way this is trending. You know, it's, it's interesting. It, it You know, in a lot of ways, it makes the games more fun, more offensive than than you get with that dead hole at the bottom of the order when pitchers hit, or really, especially a really bad pit, hitting pitcher. But I do think the game is losing some character and some color and some strategy because of this. So I'd love to see a variation on this. And one I've written about that people love is you get to keep your DH as long as your starting pitcher is in the game. But once he goes out, you lose your DH, and then all that strategy comes right back into it. What do you think? I would love that idea. I'm a big fan of like the double switch, having to when to take my relievers out. That's always a lot of fun. And as a Met fan, I will say, nothing will ever top Bartolo Colon's home run in San Diego for me. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just wrote 3,000 words about that home run a couple of months ago. So that's the most fun thing 
that any Mets fan has witnessed if you since the NLCS, right? Yeah. I'm not going to include the World Series, but since the NLCS. Um, and one of my fun, most fun things, too. So what are we doing? I, if Bartolo comes back, I hope somebody lets him DH. Yeah, I, w- I would love to see Bartolo DH, but Jason, thanks for all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not happening. <laughs> it's not. It's not. We can dream. We can dream. I think Tim Tebow has a better shot at DHing for it. Bartolo Colon does. Yeah, I think so, too. I, my one hope is that Madison Bumgarner gets to DH one time this year. Yeah, I could see that. Maybe if the Diamondbacks are out of it in the last like week of the season, they might let him do it. Well, I don't know if they're going to be out of it, but I'd still like to see it happen. I would, too. I love it when that guy comes marching home plate. I, I do, too. I mean, it's the Patriots hitting. Jason, thanks for all the times. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, how can people follow you on The Athletic and keep up with your, stu- your stuff on Twitter? Well, on Twitter, you can find me at JasonST, Mike, J-A-Y-S-O-N, Jason with a Y. And then if you're a subscriber to The Athletic, uh, you can find me. Uh, it's the, the best sports writing in America, the easiest site to navigate in America. Uh, check it out. The Athletic is awesome to work for and awesome to read. Yeah, I'm an athletic subscriber. I love reading everybody's stuff on there, including yours. Jason, thanks for all this time today. I really appreciate it. Mike, I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. All right, and there you have it. Jason Stark from The Athletic. That was a lot of fun, that conversation with Jason Stark about baseball. And baseball's coming up this week. A lot of stuff still to do on this podcast. A lot coming up. Up next, we're going to go to the baseball beat. Will Snyderhand, Anthony Sorbelli. We're going to take a deeper dive into the locals make our predictions for the playoff teams, the award winners, all that good stuff coming up right after this. Play ball. All right, we are back. Baseball beat time on the podcast. We are almost there. We are right around the corner from baseball season. We're still knocking on that wood every single day, trying to make sure we get to the starting line. Joining me today, the members of the baseball beat. First up, our podcast unofficial co-host, Will Schneiderham. Will, welcome back. How are you? Good, good. Yeah, good to have you on. And also with us, he was on two weeks ago doing the Yankee fan forum, Anthony Sorbellini. Anthony, how are you? Doing well, Mike. How about you? Doing good. I don't know about you guys, but... Finally, we are almost there. We are so, so, so close to baseball right now. I cannot wait. I know. I'm literally counting down the days. Yeah. yeah. Knocking on wood every day, yeah. like you said, too. Hoping no hiccups. Yeah. We do have one today, potentially, because we're recording on Thursday, the, the Thursday 16th before the season starts. And there was an interesting news item today. I'll get deeper into this later in the podcast. But first... We did learn today that the Nationals might not be able to play that opening game or any games in D.C. because of concerns about coronavirus restrictions. I mean, there's talk now that D.C.'s rules are if you get exposed, someone's supposed to have a mandatory 14-day quarantine, and they are not going to lift that for the baseball team. So, Will, take your pick. Would you rather play in Fredericksburg, Virginia, or West Palm? Virginia. Don't even, <laughs> I don't want to go close to Florida. <laughs> I got but, uh, it's something. Isn't Soto? Soto's not there, right? 
Yeah, that, like he hasn't showed up yet. That's a, that's just, that's the thing is that like a lot of those nationals have like issues where a lot of these guys had to go potentially were exposed. Somebody with COVID had been going had to go through a mandatory quarantine before they could even show up to the field. Soto is one of those guys. You know, I don't think he has it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just another sign. They just tell you like this is kind of the hurdles we're got to go through this year just to try and get things off the ground. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Literally, just going to be kind of such an up and down season. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you just hear at one point, you know, there's going to be, whether it be midpoint of the season, you just see like two or three big name guys like, oh, they're out with, with Corona now or yeah. something like that. Because you're always going to have that looming over. Because it's not just, you know, the normal day-to-day baseball injuries you got to worry about. It's this disease. Yeah, you got to worry about all of that stuff because, I mean, you think about it with this stuff. It's like I was talking about last week on the fantasy baseball segment with Alan Austin. It's like, Imagine how hard your fantasy baseball league is on all basis. Now you got to factor in, oh, I might not have my superstar for who knows how long if he gets COVID. Like, that's what the baseball teams are doing on like a 50 times larger scale, trying to get through a season and make sure their guys stay healthy from the virus, not well, not pulling hamstrings or quadriceps muscles. Yeah. <laughs> it's some, just it, a different animal. <laughs> yeah, it's a different animal. Hopefully, it's a one year thing and we're all. Praying for that, that we all are going to be able to go back to our lives after we, somebody comes with a vaccine or something. But we are here. We're hit the 60-game baseball season. I'll give you guys each a shot here. So tell me, what's the thing that got you most interested right now this year? Ooh. I'm going to go with just the overall baseball landscape. You know, I feel like baseball is kind of, you know, we're so used to it being a marathon where actually it's a full-blown sprint where, you know, it's almost looking like a football season where, you know, if you could fall behind like two and 10, two and eight to start the season, you could be potentially screwed. So I want to see, you know, just the overall storylines and how teams go about this entire season. Yeah. I think that's kind of watching, watching how teams, you know, do that, handle that with more urgency, right? Like, you know, you're really like just treating it like, you know, you're around that post all-star break deadline area, sprint to the playoffs where, you know, usually just kind of like easy on in, but that's not the case now. And I think that's going to be really interesting. Cause oh my God, none of these guys have ever had to do that. Not this early, not right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's definitely interesting. The thing I'm intrigued about is as the national league strategy fan here, who is going to lose that with the DH basically coming in forever here. I'm intrigued by the 10th inning rule, how that's going to play out, because I know it's stupid that you start the runner on second base, you know, but there are wrinkles I can say right now. It's like, do I use a pinch runner here to get the runner in? Do I bunt the guy over to try and play for one, or do I try and play for more than one run? There's a lot of angles now to think about. This it just makes that intriguing to me. Oh, yeah. This is a different <laughs> element to the game. And, I mean, I could go off. I don't like that to begin with, but see each its own. But it's going to be definitely an interesting season. Yeah, I think this year yeah. it's like, all, I think all all bets are off with the rules. Like, I can understand, you know, like, hey, we don't want to play 17-hour extra inning games and we don't want people to slip and get too close to them and get the corona. So let's get get the, ourselves the hell out of here as fast as we can. Yeah, that's essentially what it is. But Let's go to the Mets for a minute. We'll start with my, with my team, Will's team, the New York Metropolitans, who, as of recording, Will, they're actually remarkably healthy, aside from potentially Jacob DeGrom's potential back like flare-up. and might push his first star a couple of days back. So your opinion on the Mets so far? Uh, just, you know, like you just said, stay healthy <laughs> as long as possible. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I mean, it sounds like everything's been pretty positive. You know, the guys 
knock on wood, you know, the guys are there. The guys have the need to be there. They're they they've been participating. They've been healthy enough. They've looked good. You've heard positive things. Uh, you know, I'm just kind of again with what's going on in the season and the circumstances. You know, there's one. I'm not gonna really feel genuinely good about anything until the season starts. You know, until we actually see baseball being played and it's actually being played. But as far as what I've been hearing, seeing, reading, you know, it's it's just it's good. It's calm. You're not too anxious. You're just you know, place that Mets fans usually are are not really in when they're entering a new season. Yeah, I think I would agree with you because I feel like the Mets are just right now. There's like no drama around them. They're all getting the work in. There's no like distractions. I feel like they're in such a good place, Anthony. I feel like they, I think they could surprise us here. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a lot of like one way or the other. You know, like I actually don't. I think they're either going to be bad or they're going to be really good because. If the bullpen pitchers is even remotely better than what they had at the beginning of the season last year, they're a playoff team. If Suspidus can come in and play, you know, even the, if he's just DHing, let alone playing the outfield, I mean, that's a huge plus. Like, I don't really think people are, are truly weighing that, you know, like this. I know, like, his tenure at the Mets has been so just ludicrous, right? But when he plays, they win, and when he plays, he's damn good. So, uh, I mean, if you're a Mets fan, you have him, you know, the pen, you have the Kansas, the pitching rotation, and the pitching depth, and the depth in general is a little suspect, especially given, you know, the circumstances now. But there's, like, a lot that can go right, you know? I mean, I still, I think this lineup is truly one of, like, has the potential to just be one of the best lineups in all of baseball. I'm not trying to be, a, you know, hot take, you know, over ambitious mm-hmm. here. Like, I truly think you add a guy like you know, you know, when it's Cespedes into that lineup, you know what I mean? Like that, you just lengthen everything. And I think like your bottom half of your lineup could potentially be what Wilson Ramos, like you know, Cespedes, <laughs> Med Rosario. Like, yeah, I'll take that. Just building off your point, Will, I'm just really curious to see the dynamic of, you know, basically the one-two punch of what Cespedes and uh, Pete Alonso are going to be. Cause, you know, Pete Alonso was essentially just, their offensive machine last year. So now you bring in Cespedes, whatever he can give you, you know, how's that oh, going to team up? Absolutely. I mean, be crazy. You're looking at, I guess, you know, him, he, uh, Alonzo, him, Conforto. I mean, it's just, you looking at the top of your order, for instance, being Nimmo, McNeil, um, Alonzo, Conforto, Cespedes. What is that? One through five. four or five? I can't yeah. count. But that's fantastic. And then, like, you notice we still haven't talked about J.D. Davis. We still haven't talked about Wilson Ramos, who was really good mm-hmm. last year. We still haven't talked about Ahmed Rosario. Even, you know, um, Cano. Cano. Do we have to talk about him? <laughs> but not seriously. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like that is the potential to just be top to bottom, super well-rounded. I mean, uh, that excites the crap out of me. I mean, Cespedes doesn't even have to be uh, trade deadline 2015 Cespedes. I don't think that's even remote, like fair to ask, or 2016 Cespedes. If he's just like good, you know, middle of the order, decent average, hitting for power, driving runs in, I mean, sign me off. I'm, I just, I don't think people are like really giving that the time of day. And that's something I think you should really pay attention for. And as I'm saying, I'm psyched about it, man. We signed, I wanted him to sign this guy. Every day of those two off seasons, he was a free agent. You know, I want this guy to play in the Mets, on the Mets, in a Mets uniform. And I just want to, you know, this is an opportunity where we'll finally see that. And it might be the last opportunity. We know how he likes his contract years. So, I mean, 
Tom Anson pumped up about him, specifically him. Seriously, like maybe in fool's gold. But if he's healthy, a lot of good things can happen. Well, I'll just say I think his contract years are going to go a lot better than Jed Lowry's contract year. Yeah, Jed Lowry. Him in the knee brace. We can put the knee brace at center base. Yeah, Tim Healy was on here last week. He said he has, does not see any way that Jed Lowry is going to be a major contributor for this team. And I have to agree with him. You see, like, the thing he's carrying around on his leg, just be able to play, and then he's saying things like, I don't want to cause distraction by laying my injury. Like, that's just making you more of a distraction. It looks like the thing that uh, Gronkowski wears on his arm. Yeah. It, I mean, and this is on his leg. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, all joking aside, like I, I hope the guy is okay, you know. But it has be, it has come comic, has become comical, you know. Like, okay, uh, is he ever going to play? And no, I think you're right. I think Tim Healy's right. I don't even expect to ever see him play on this team this year. And it's funny that that was typical Met luck because at the time of the signing, you're like, oh, this is good. He's a depth guy. He gives you. Extra I loved insurance. it. I loved it. Yeah, it was. I think everyone loved it at that point, and then and now, like about like sixteen, seventeen months later, you basically could have taken that twenty-two million dollars and lit it on fire and gotten more value out of it. Well, there's another infielder across town. You know, they could have got for about that price. Yeah, speak, last off season. Yeah, speak, <laughs> yeah, that's a good segue. We'll go across town now. We'll go to the Yankees. That infielder DJ May, who sounds like he's close to coming back to the Yankees. He might be ready for opening day. Might be, you know, eased in a little bit, but. Anthony, how are you feeling about the Yankees getting heading into the season? I mean, I'm excited. Uh, you know, big thing going out and getting Garrett Cole. I mean, I can't even tell. I mean, I'm sure you guys can count how many times I've pleaded that the Yankees go out and get pitching and everything, and they finally do. I would have loved to see, you know, maybe another starter, you know, but they they did, you know, they did the Yankee way, go out, spend big. You know, you go bring in a big arm and bring in Garrett Cole. So I'm very interested to see how he's going to do. And, you know, just off his last, uh, you know, summer training start, uh, what was it? He nine Ks and I think it was like five innings, four and a third inning, yeah. something like that. Just literally just shutting guys down. But, I mean, he looks good, you know, judge, you know, snafu with his neck and everything. But, you know, he came back to look, look like healthy, you know, had a, had a big bomb the other day. And, you know, Stan, big thing is, you know, the Yankees got to see Stanton healthy. You know, you, you want to have that, that huge one-two punch with Judge and Stanton, you know, those two big guys holding in the lineup. But then, I mean, it's, it's, it's such a deep lineup, literally one through nine. So I'm just very excited to see where, where things go. Yeah, I'm excited. You know, the, whole, the whole team is just deep, you know? Yep. The whole team. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and we saw it literally last year because it was, oh, it was literally like the infirmary war, just without yeah. with how literally how Mike Hawkman, Mike Ford, like yeah, they're bringing these up. guys up from AAA, AA. You're like, who are these guys? And they're just coming out here, just producing, and you're just yeah. like, wow. I love the way their pitching lines up this year, though. Just a few back of how you kind of said you wish they got more pitching, but man, you get a guy like Montgomery back, good mm. back end guy. You get a you have two guys just knocking at the door, and Clark Schmidt and Garcia. I mean, I. I think a lot of Yankee fans share that sentiment with you where you kind of wish they did, but like Tanaka is a good pitcher. Paxton's a good pitcher, albeit I'm not like crazy about Paxton, but still like these are major league arms and depth there. Yeah. And the whole team, like God, I mean, you don't often like look at a team and just go, yeah, okay. Yeah, they'll, they'll definitely be in the world series, but like, my God, I don't really see how the Yankees won't, you know, it's a failure if that doesn't happen. I mean, it literally is. It was deemed last year a failure too, but this year, especially, like I said, you know, going out getting Garrett Cole, 
And I know, Will, you just touched on Montgomery, and I want to piggyback off that for a little bit. I don't think people remember just how solid no. oh, of, yeah. of an arm he was. Forgot about him, yep. Yeah, he, so, you know, you throw him in at the, at the back end of the rotation, that's a good, solid one through five guy. Absolutely. Yeah, plus, like, you don't even have to push him right away because you can always, like, piggyback him with some of your bullpen guys. You can let him go yeah. four innings and then have the bullpen work the last five. Even without Chapman for a little bit, you still have enough depth there to make things happen. And Anthony, I also want to ask you, have you been watching the Yankee intra-squad games on Yes? A little bit. You know what? I mean, yes and no. I'll get, I'll get the highlights eventually. Uh, I think last week I was sitting watching the game. I think it was uh, either the first or the second one. I was sitting watching, but... I will say it's very weird, you know, yep. seeing uh, the guys in the stadium and it being completely empty. <laughs> yeah, well. That... But, I mean, I'll, well, I'll, I'll suck it up, you know. It sucks we don't get to see fans and get that environment. But, you know what, it's baseball. I'll take it. Yeah, um, it's it's, robo, it's robot cameras, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's wild. Yeah. Typical things about that. Number one, Will, I was actually following on Twitter right now. The Mets are doing an inter-squad game as we're recording this. Michael Walker had five hitless innings in this part, in this in this uh, inter-squad game. Only a lot of error. Hey, base. hey, him and Slick Rick Porcello, baby. Yep, those two, the back of the Met rotation. Number two, they they did bring out the cutouts for the, the cardboard cutouts to fill the oh, seats. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, I did. I saw people reposting that today. Yeah. And I have to ask you guys, what would it take them to to convince you to put your face on a cardboard cutout to sit in an empty stadium? Uh, I think it's, what is it, 80 bucks to do it or something like that at City Field? Something, 86 I bucks. I think it's 86, yeah, no. I'll yeah, save yeah. my 86 bucks. Okay, I, could, uh, I could put that towards the tickets for, you know, when uh, when the stadiums do open And then up. the first, the first rainy game, oh. Yeah, that's oh, a left con. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming, isn't it cardboard? Like, or whatever. Yeah. It's not waterproof. <laughs> it's definitely something, because I'm looking this up right now, because I mean, I forgot the Mets cardboard cutout thing was going on, because they said, that the reports there is that they had the cardboard cutouts out, and they have the fake crowd noise putting in oh, there. the artificial noise. Isn't that weird? I'm kind of, that's bizarre to me. I, I want them to artificially boo the other team. That would be funny. Yeah. And you know, that's what I mean, though. It's kind of so. I think MLB the show is like supplying the in game yeah. thing. I saw, like, I don't know, like, like do you, so do you have a guy? Because, like, I've been watching the Premier League and like the soccer where, like, I'm guessing I actually I don't watch the enhanced audio anymore because it's weird, but I when I did, I'm guessing like they have some guy just sitting at a board, like, oh, that fans would be mad. Let's yeah. hit the boof on. Like, is that what <laughs> happens? Like, I don't know how you do it, or is it just like ambient, like, just like straight, yeah weird white noise. Like, ah, that's where I'm kind of like, am I just going to hear muffled like noise the whole week? <laughs> well, I mean, you'll get, you'll get your walk-up music. You'll probably get like generic cheers when somebody gets a hit or like boom. Right? Or, yeah. Like, Let's say, we're going to start blaring the charge horn when you know the home team's down and everything. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah like, like, get, get everybody up thing here. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe I'd be down with that. Yeah. Maybe they recorded Cowbell Man at City Field. They could just drop, drop the Cowbell in during the games. <laughs> Maybe they can also sneak him in. He can be the lone fan in the stands. Let him walk around the concourse and bang the cowbell. <laughs> hey. Shout out to Cowbell Man. Thing, just looking at it from our perspective, you know, just like the reporters and the photographers and everything, just what it's going to be like covering those games. You know, there's nothing there. Yeah. Looking at it from, from that perspective. 
Yeah, it is. It's, it's weird. It's a whole new world. It truly is. And hopefully it's just a one unique season and we don't have to ever do that again. <laughs> I agree. I will say one thing about the cutouts, though. Like, I, I saw the Mets. It's like I did look at a report from Tim Healy, like our like a friend of the podcast, who basically said, yeah, it's 86 bucks and net proceeds go to the Mets Foundation, which is nice. But I don't know about you, but, like, if you have $86 to spend to get a cardboard cut out of yourself, put in a seat at a baseball yeah. game you can't attend, you need to do better things with your money. What does the Mets Foundation funnel to? The Will Ponds? It's supposed to be a charity. So the Will Pond charity? <laughs> one last block before they leave. Yeah. Please. Think of, think about this one though. I look at some of the other prices for teens for the cardboard cutouts. The Dodgers are charging $149 for a cutout in field level or load seats and two hundred and ninety nine bucks for, for seats on the billion home run seats or behind the plate. Wait. Wow. What? Three three hundred bucks to get your face Are behind you, the, the Dodger Stadium. You're paying the price of a, of a freaking ticket. Yeah. You're right. I didn't even think of that. Honest to God, when we just talked about it, you're right, Anthony. What are we doing? Yeah, like literally, I don't even spend eighty six dollars on a ticket when I go. Yeah, I'm gonna say yeah. I I, guess I literally get upper deck, great seats right behind the plate, upper deck for thirty bucks. I'm like three hundred dollars. Oh yeah, my god, ridiculous. I would rather light it on fire. I would no. <laughs> spend it on that wow that's insanity and you know people might buying it oh they are i, I saw <laughs> oh, a picture you know it. there are people like i saw the mets photo they already had people playing their fans line like had their pictures already taken and the, and the cardboard cutouts are going up that's psychotic no way no way <laughs> and it's funny too because i look at the condition it's like you can't promote anything you can't put your twitter handle out there it's not like it's not like me if it was like oh i wanted to put the, like, the podcast logo on on a cardboard they don't allow that it's just you and mekir hey it's fun right god yeah. no that is dumb no way <laughs> yeah all you people all you people who actually if you i will say if you are one of those people out there who says you know what i gotta buy a cardboard cut out of myself so i can be somehow at this game you need to do do better things with your money and help and actually help someone with it. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, let's get away from that a little bit. Let's actually go to the predictions a little bit. We're gonna go around the horn. We will make some calls on these playoff races. American League East. Anthony, your champion is the Yankees. Who else? The Orioles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm going to actually differ from you two slightly. I'm taking Tampa Bay to win the East. It was actually a toss-up. Yeah, mine was, yeah, mine was between good one. those two. I think Tampa would be damn good. They they got a staff that's ready to just run away with it. A lot of young players. Yeah, I just think from 1 to 15, Tampa's staff is deeper than the Yankees. I think I'll make a difference in a shorter season. Yeah. And yeah. Glass now, or Glass, whatever, and uh, Snell. I mean, Jesus. To the yeah. front line. I mean, uh, it's Glass now, right? Yep. Tyler Glass now? Yep. He yeah. was not young if he didn't get hurt last year. He would have. He was well on his way. Yep. American League Central, Will, who you got? Uh, so the Central, I went with the Twinkies because I just seen, I'm not, the Indians are just, you know, they're kind of like, they're kind of like there, yeah. you know, meh, not really doing it for me. In uh, Twins, they're just, they're loaded. They can hit, <laughs> they can, they're going to be able to pitch. And um, I just, you know, they had a great year last year and I just don't see any regression, you know, I just think they've had it. <laughs> they've added they've added honestly I mean, they're going to be a good team I'm in the same boat with you I just you know the Indians haven't done anything from when they were you know competing with like the Astros and the Yankees as well. those three main teams 
a couple of years ago, but you know, they've regressed so much. So I then the twins took it over. So the twins. Yeah. I will go with the, with the, the complete the trilogy here, take the twins here. And we'll point out, this is also a team that made Will look like a genius last year when he's calling the win the division when nobody had them doing that. So shout out to Will again <laughs> for that one. I got to keep pushing my, the twins love. Maybe they'll win a playoff series. Yeah. If they're playing the Yankees, they won't. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, <laughs> in a, in a that I can't really own them. I mean, it's, it's like at this point. I mean, it's not even like yeah. It's like it just. It's like and it's so funny. Because the, yeah, because the Twins could be the better team on paper, but once it comes to the playoffs, <laughs> the Yankees just own them. Yeah, like, ah, we got the Twins. It. We're rolling through them. <laughs> yeah. I remember last year before the playoffs, I spoke to Rick Cerrone, a friend of the podcast, uh, somebody we all know very well, and he basically compared, he said, it's like, that the Twins are the Washington Generals, the Yankees, Harlem Globetrotters. That's basically the comparison he made. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just they own stock in them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we'll put the Twins through. AL West, Anthony, who you got? I think I'm rolling with the Astros. You know, they still got, they're still up there. You know, yes, they lost Cole, but Still a solid squad. They got that. They got everything, and they're kind of, you know, got that chip on their shoulder of everything, you know, the cheating scandal and all that stuff. They want to, you know, kind of prove that they're a good team outside of the scandal. So, kind of, you know, that shut up and put up mentality. So, yeah. Well, this is like their last. I I, I got the shows too, but this is like their last. You know, that this is the last run yeah. really with that core. Um, because I do think you're going to see teams start knocking more of the A's and so on, but it's still the Astros for now, for sure. I, I don't think it's really going to be that close. You know, Texas mm-hmm. is that, yeah. you know, maybe yeah. Oakland, but Oakland's still not doing it for me. Yeah. And then the angels are too, are way too off there. And it's a shame because you, you hate to see them waste Mike yeah. Trout like that. Well, isn't this funny? You add a guy like Grindel to a team with Otani and Mike Trout. Yeah. Just, they're still, they're pitching it such a disaster I mean it is it's, it's still the Astros division and like I said I think it's just that last last year where they're financially and like everything is going to like fall into place where they can run with this core and then you know I think you're going to start seeing it break down yeah you're not they're not going to be able to keep everybody I mean they've got too many guys they don't want too many too much money oh I think Springer is a free and after this year yes, next yes year, he is right? after right. this year he is yeah this is, yeah yeah, I'm taking the Astros too. I just think this is the last sort. Like I think you guys are right. I think it's sort of the last ride with this core. I think they're gonna start breaking it up a little bit because also remember, Verlander's 37. Like I don't know how much longer he can keep up this elite level of performance. Well, no, and, and, and like and again, like said before, like you lose Garrett Cole. I mean, like Verlander was the guy, and um, you know, but Cole, like Cole, just made everything so like so much harmonious there. Yeah. Now it's like you, you don't have that, you know, you don't have that one A to your one A and one B, you know. And Verlander, yeah. I don't know if you're, he's at thirty seven. I mean, this guy, you know, he's got left in the tank, and he gave up a ton of home runs last year, a ton of them. You know, it's like that's kind of like a, I know he pitched extremely well. Besides the fact, but I don't know something about that is like he starts getting knocked around. I think, and it is soon. All right, let's go to the wild cards. Will, who are your two American League wild cards? So since I picked the Yanks for the East, I got the Rays sneaking in the wild card. And then I did put the Indians through because I think they're just – the division is – that division is so, you know, bad. And since they're playing, you know, we're playing specifically division and so on. It, it, and, and, and like, they, they made, the bottom half of the American League is, like, like putrid, you know. <laughs> so I think the Indians are good enough where they're still just going to beat up on the Tigers and the Royals, and uh, yeah. they're going to get in. They're not – I mean – Listen, they 
it's crazy that they lost Trevor Bauer. I mean, they trade him away, but they're, they're I, and Gruber. But they're starting pitching. I still like Clevenger and Bieber. I like Bieber a lot, and uh, he might pop back up on this podcast. <laughs> Anthony, who are your wild cards? Well, I'm going definitely. You know, I took the uh, the Yanks for the ALEs, and I'm taking the same route that Will is. They're gonna, you know, get that wild card for the Rays, and then I'm actually gonna keep it in the ALEs. I think, you know, I, I like what the what what the Blue Jays are, are brewing up a little bit. I think they'll. Uh, They'll find a way to sneak it in, especially with the short season. You know, they got Vladdy Jr., you know, uh, Bo Bichet. just got a couple of, you know, up-and-coming guys. And I think they're they're going to get ready for, for a little run and try to put something together with the short season. They're fun picks for sure. It's like, I'm taking the Yankees out as I took the Rays win division. Yankees can make the playoffs. I'm going to the Central with my second ball card. I'm taking the White Sox in the Central. I think I don't like the Indians. Okay. I don't think that that team's very good. I think they're wasting Lindor. They don't have enough pitching anymore, in my opinion. I think the White Sox, a young, dynamic team, they're going to bang from playing a bunch of bad teams. I think this team is fantastic. It's fantastic. I think they yeah, get, they get sure. out get out fast. They build themselves a nice cushion. They get in the playoffs as a wild card. I think the White Sox are in ahead of schedule. I like it. I do. I'm on board with that. Yeah, I think it just, you know, you're looking for some of those teams where, you know, like, this is a shorter season, and the White Sox have an opportunity here to sort of t- jump out in front and make some noise and mm-hmm. and just, you know, take advantage of it. I mean, I look at their first, like, couple of games here. I mean, like, they pl- they start out like, the Indians, the Royals, the Brewers, their first couple of series. Like, they can easily – they don't – and the White and the Tigers are in there. They could get off at the gate really fast. That lineup's good, and Yo Mankato was a beast last year. Yeah. And Luis Robert being up there now, I think he's going to Yeah, with the... Eloy Jimenez. I mean, isn't Edwin Encarnacion still out there? Yeah, he's still, he's, yep. he's still he out there. Monty Grandal. They have a lot of talent on that team. They do. Gosh, they really do. I love that team. I think they're going to make the playoffs. That's my call in the American League. Let's go to the National League. We will start in the East. Will, who is your NLE's champ? I'm going to go Matt. Even losing Rendon. This is more... Just because of the circumstances with the Braves, with Freeman, you know, we don't know when Freeman's going to come back. Marquez, he's he's not playing. Um, I, and then it was tough between actually the Mets and the Nats. I do think the Mets can very compete for it, but I just think the Nationals. You still have Scherzer and Strasburg and Corbin yeah. <laughs> um, in the lineup. You know. Uh, albeit we don't know what's going on with Soto, but an absolute stud in Soto. A lot of young players, but I think this team fresh off the World Series, they're, they're just going to kind of come out and win it again. I, I think it's going to be close between the Mets and the Nats. I actually, I'm, I'm very concerned about the Braves. I really am. Yeah, Anthony, who you got? I'm kind of a, a toss-up. You know, I'm kind of within three teams, you know. A little bit, I, I agree with the Braves to some extent, but I'm very curious how the Phillies are going to be this year. Um, I mean, but, you know, and I, I think, you know, the Mets, if healthy, and a big if healthy, they'll they'll be able to pull it out. I, I want to see them pull it out, but I think to, to take it, I'm going to pull with the Nats just because of everything. They, I mean, they're still the hot team. You know, they had that incredible season last year, and they kind of know the importance, you know, start out hot. <laughs> so, you know, get hot, stay hot. So, Think, but it's, it's still such literally a well, it's uh, the closest division in baseball, I think, as far as like one, yeah. two, three, four teams. But yeah, I, it, it's gonna, it's going to be a fun division to watch, especially come later in the season. But literally, I, it's a toss up, I think, between those three or four teams. 
yeah, Philly's still just mm. Zach Wheeler's your headlining pitcher acquisition for that price. I'm just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you remember last week what I said and when I went to the National League East. I don't remember Mets. Mets. Yes, I did take the Mets. Yes. I am going to stick with the Mets. I have not been dissuaded over this past week. I am very encouraged by what I've seen and I just think, you know, everything's falling into place for them. They're the healthiest group in the division right now. Everybody's on board. I mean, they're down maybe a reliever or two, but I don't think that's going to be a big deal. They have the deepest lineup in the division right now. I just think, honestly, this could be a very, very fun year to be a Met fan. That's what got me very excited, and I will say this. I'm going to throw this one out there again. Meet the Mets. Step right up and greet the Mets. Bring your kiddies, bring your wife. Guaranteed to have the time of your life because Yep, Mets NL East champions. Put it in the books right now. Fair enough. I like it. Yeah, I had to. I had to get. I had to roll it out there. They're gonna knock, sock those home runs over the wall this year. They really can. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> All right, let's go to the NL Central. Anthony, who's your NL Central pick? I'm going with the Cardinals. You know, I was I was high on them last year. I was kind of disappointed that they didn't make a run, but you know they're. They still got everything, so, you know, they're kind of, I think the Cubs fell off just a little bit too much, but I think, you know, the Cardinals, they just have too many weapons, so now, you know, you still got Yachty, who's kind of, you know, you know, yes, he's older, and he's on the tail end of his career, but he's still, he's still up there, you know, that's, that's his team, you know, you got Paul Goldschmidt and everything, and just, it's going to keep going. Will, who you got? So, we are driving past St. Louis. We're flying past Chicago. We're not stopping in Milwaukee. Cincinnati Reds. I think this I like team it. is going to be really good. I was really high on them last year. I think this team is going to be damn good this year. Uh, Luis Castillo broke out in a ma- major way. Trevor Bauer, Sonny Gray, I believe he was an all-star last year. I mean, the Eugenio Suarez is a beast at third base. Mike Moustakis, Joey Votto still there. Uh, who's the kid who is hitting all the homers, the outfielder, uh, our, our city, Aquino or whatever yeah. his name is, like kids hitting a homer every day. You might not even make I the mean, team. I, I mean, they're so deep, you might not even make it this year. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> I, I, I um, yeah, because they signed Castellanos, who is a great hitter. I, I, I am I am all in on this team. I, I am. I, I I think that they, when you're looking at that division, you know, you look at the Cardinals and you think, okay, maybe this will happen. You look at the Cubs, okay, yeah, maybe that'll happen. You know, there's a lot of question marks. The Brewers, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think the Brewers actually are going to take a massive step back. Uh, you look at the Reds, I mean, there's nothing but positive. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what's this is a team where you look at it, you're like, damn, this team's pretty, pretty ready to go. They got a great lineup. They have deep starting pitching. And in a shortened season, Starting pitching, man, it is going to be crucial. Yep, I'm right there with you, Will. I'm taking the Reds to win the Central. I just think that everything's lined up for them this year. The Cardinals, I think, will be close, but I'm with you. I'm fading the Brewers. I'm big-time fading the Cubs. I do not think that team is very good, and they did nothing in the offseason to make it any better. 
I just think this is a year for Cincinnati. They really have to get it this year. It's a young team. Go Reds. They are going to win the Central. Yeah, I do. I'm very, I love the team. I, I do. All right, let's go to the NL West. Is it a clean sweep for the Dodgers? This is tough. I bet oh, say it's, it's all the, the Dodgers. Like... <laughs> no, yeah, of course it's the Dodgers. We're all going Dodgers. <laughs> yeah. We'll not waste any more time on that. Most talented team in baseball. So. <laughs> and a far easier division. But, I mean, than... hey, they did lose David Price, though. So David Price did say he's not going to play, so. Yeah, they did. But there's like five other stars that are ready to just hop right in the rotation. No, I, I know, I know. <laughs> It's funny, though. Yeah, so they, that's an easy one. Wild cards, uh, Anthony, your two wild cards are in the National League. Well, I'm going with the Reds if they don't end up winning the Central. And then it's really a toss-up for the second wild card. Jeez. There's so many teams, I just I don't know. You know what? I'll slide over to the uh, slide over to the AL East if, you know, Toss up between you know whoever doesn't win that division, whether it be the Braves, the Mets, or uh, or them. So yeah, I think mine. I'm, I'm going since I picked the uh, the Nats to win it. I'm, the Mets are going to squeak in a wild card, I think at least. And then um, I actually have uh, the Braves. I think you're going to get um, three playoff teams from that division. Yeah, I think. Uh, Anthony, did you end up making a pick on who your second wild card was with, with uh, the NL East? Yeah, uh, I was going to go with the Nationals because I, 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 I picked the Mets to win, I believe. Okay, so you had the Mets, uh, Mets, div- the Mets Division Nationals wild card? Yep. Okay, so my wild card is, is I'm going to take the Braves as a wild card. I do think that like they're going to get in a group eventually, and I do think they have enough talent there to get in there, so I'm going to take the Braves as one. And I'm going to go with the Cardinals for the second one. I think they have a very good team. Jack Flaherty is a good pitcher. I think they have enough to get in the wild card mix. I'm taking Braves, Cardinals, my two wild cards. I just don't like that national lineup this year. I don't think it's deep enough. Yeah, just I just think that hit, I, I I really think they're just going to ride those horses. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I really do. There's just something about starting pitching in this short season. Two guys like that. I. Hard for me to go against it. I feel like they're just, they just, you know, oh my God, their lineup was pretty bad in the World Series, too, in a way. And it's like, you know, of course, Rendon was there, but I don't know. The Nationals just, it's hard for me to bet against them. I, I In my opinion, I, the Cardinals, I, there's something about it. I just feel like they're still lacking. But I mean, you could say the same thing about the Nationals, too. So, yeah. Yeah, my concern with the Nationals also is that, like, the, the World Series thing that also helped them out was that they could throw their stars in relief. You can't do that, and their bullpen's still pretty bad. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, so that's our predictions of the playoffs. Before we get to the World Series and stuff like that, let's go with the let's go with the award winners. Who is your MVP pick, Will, for the National League? Uh, Ronald Acuna. I love this kid. He's going to haunt me for years and uh, probably ruin you know, a lot of seasons for the Mets, but I mean, the kid is just unbelievable. Almost a 30, 30 guy last year. I think I, he does it all. He does it all. And it's, I, I love the player. I really do. I'm right there with you. Well, I mean, he's one of the biggest up and coming stars, especially in the National League. but I think, and you know, in all of baseball, he's going to be yeah. fun to watch coming for throughout his career. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the Dodgers. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say Mookie Betts puts up a huge year for in his free year. Wins the MVP. I was. I was he was the guy. He was. He was between he and uh, Cunha. 
But I said Ronald. I did. I think Betts is going to be really good this year too. And I feel like a lot of people wavered on him. You know, yeah. like oh, okay, like like no, no, no. He's still really, really good, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and he is playing for a contract, which is also massive. No, yo, you mean the contract he's going to sign with the Mets? Yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah. So he's our National League MVP. Who's the American League MVP, Anthony? I mean, it's really not hard not to go with you know just the safe pick and say Mike Trout. I mean, he's but he's the best player in baseball. He's just been there literally ever since he came into the league. Well, I mean, what four top two finishes? I mean, yeah, he's this guy's just a stud. Yeah, I, I went different though. I stuck in New York. I think Kaliber Torres is going to be amazing. Ooh. I love another player. I love on an arch rival, but. Oh my God! This I mean, he hasn't even like he's not there yet, and he's still no. He's still got probably like another like two years before he's you know in a hundred and sixty-two game season. This guy's got forty, hundred written all over him. I think he's one of the best hitters in basketball, the best hitters in baseball. And I do, I think, I think he could have a massive year for the Yankees again, playing on a damn good team. So Mm -hmm. I'm going with Kaliber. I'm gonna go outside the box here because I I think a lot of these guys got very similar stats. So I think it's take something outside the box to stand out at you. But again, I think I get good value on this. I went to the sports books. Shohei Otani for MVP because if he's pitching and he's hitting and he does well in well and both, I think that's a great oh, MVP case. Like short double year. the odds, yeah, yeah. Unless yeah. <laughs> he wins the MVP and the Cy Young, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Cy Young I think it's gonna be harder. I don't think he's gonna give me opportunities to pitch. But I think he'll do enough on the mound and hitting that he he could make a case. So, you yeah. know what? Like I gave the team the most in sixty games, and supposed to one guy playing the field for sixty games. I respect it. I like it. I like it. I think you would get great odds on Otani's MVP. So I think that's something you could Otani go. Time. Throw a few shekels on if you're if you're so inclined. I like it. Let's go to the Cy Young Award. We'll go back to the National League. Will, who's your NL Cy Young Award winner? It's going for three in a row, baby. Big Jake. Jake. I, I just don't think there's anybody. You had mentioned last week. I'm not trying to be a homer or anything. I'm really not. Um, I think Scherzer's just unbelievable. But, like, I, just, I don't know. Uh, there's no one else that really, like, you know, jumps up to that that uh, that level and uh uh Philip you mentioned uh Bueller before and I yeah. think Bueller's actually he was uh actually who I was really kind of uh choosing between but I just Dick Rom I mean he's just class. He's just there. He's pure class. He's the best pitcher I think best pitcher in baseball, very arguable, but I think he goes for three in a row. I mean just um, you know that is a remarkable run. Remarkable run. Anthony who you got N L Cy Young. I want to make that same pick that Will just did with Jake, but I'm going to go a little bit of a different route. I'm going to go with Trevor Bauer because I think, you know, he's going to come out just literally just crazy with the Reds, and, you know, they're going to have a great season. He's just going to carry that team. Yeah, I'm going to side with Will here. I'm going to take the homework pick and take the ground for a third straight Cy Young because he's won the Cy Young in years. He's won a combined 20 games over two seasons, so basically, like, 21 games, whatever it is, like, I think you get the Cy Young with five wins. He pitches to like a one-one ERA. I like yeah. the Bauer pick though. Bauer is like, I mean, I don't think people like respect how good he is at the top of the game. But yeah, just, just stick around. It's just, I mean, I just, I'm just going. Yeah, you know, go with the easy, easy bet. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. <laughs> it's, like, it's like me picking Trout for the MVP. I mean, yeah, no, for sure. It's yeah. like you, you feel like you kind of want to, you want to make a case for someone else. I definitely feel that. Yeah. American League Cy Young, Anthony, you go and Garrett Cole. 
I am, but I really don't want to. I don't want to play the homer card, but I don't think really anybody else is going to, you know, come out and do anything in the American League. Nobody's screaming out for me other than Garrett Cole. So I'm, I'm going to go with Garrett Cole. I'm going, uh, I'm going Shane Bieber. I think he had a fantastic year last year. I, I think he's, you know, I don't think this guy's going to have sustained set success for, you know, five, six years. But I do think he's going to have a great year for, uh, for the Indians. And he was fantastic last year. I thought he was, you know, another guy who I don't think gets his due. A uh, young guy, young pitcher, and so yeah, I, I really like him in the American League. I truly do. Pertina might not make the playoffs, but I still think he's going to be really good. Yeah, like I was looking at the list, and like, is there a reliever out there who I think in the American League can just like completely dominate? I don't think there is. So I'm going to go with Garrett Cole. I'm going to go with Anthony here because I think he was so close last year, so so close. And I think he's going to get it this year. But he should have won it last year. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> should have won it. He should. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a joke that he didn't. Yeah, it's, I say I think the Ver like, the fact he's Verlander snuck it out over him I think bothered me a little bit. It, I mean, Verlander got I think it bothered everybody. Cole had three hundred strikeouts, didn't he? I, yeah. I mean, that's a doesn't go down that rabbit hole, but I mean, the guy it, he shouldn't be coming off a Cy Young year. This should be his campaign for his second, <laughs> in <Sure>. my opinion. <laughs> All right, so we have our award winners now. The important thing, we'll put these down here, and we'll see if somebody nails it, like like I happened to do last year on this podcast. I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out there as sort of the bait from last year. Yeah, I have the Nationals breaking through as well. I thought the Bryce Jenks was real, so yeah. I think they could get there, but they are gonna lose to the Houston Astros. So there you have Damn. it. Last year's World <laughs> Series pick. I got the wrong. I got the order wrong. But I did the two teams right. I like it. So we'll see. Uh, I, since I had the high pick last year, I will go again, though. I am taking Rays-Dodgers as my World Series this year. Rays-Dodgers. And I think the Rays pitching will be just too much in the playoffs. Dodgers the Dodgers. Dodgers win it all. Well, I'm there with you. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did. I picked, uh, I, uh, I picked the Rays because wild card teams win the, win the World Series. Ray, Rays over who? Dodgers. I don't think there's anybody in the National League who's going to compete with them. <laughs> Anthony, that, that, like, you know what I mean? That, that, that rotation in like a in like a playoff series where like you know game, you know nothing matters. I mean, like yeah. you get Blake Snell for you know that's so, yeah. that pitching's just amazing, and that bullpen's good too. It's just they're, they are such a deep pitching team. And they have a, a scary, sleepy offense that people just don't realize is so. Well, good. they have like they have some young guys like Willie Adamas. I mean, they can Austin Meadows. Austin Meadows, my God! Before we go into the pick, let me just say worst trade in MLB history potentially. Chris Archer for Austin Meadows and Glass now. I mean, just what are we doing? <laughs> Jesus, worst terrible trade. Worse than Brody's masterpiece. I mean, listen, at least Brody was like, at least the Mets were, are like, quote unquote, competing. I mean, the Pirates, what are we doing? The window closed eight years ago. What are you doing, Chris Archer? Chris, not only did the window close about eight years ago, Chris Archer stopped being a good pitcher in like four years. <laughs> All right. That was my little rant. All right. So, Anthony, your World Series pick is? I'm going with the Dodgers over the Yankees. The same pick as last year, Come I believe. On. <laughs> What's that? I think you had the exact same pick last year. I did, you, you know, were... but the Dodgers are very. I mean, with this roster this year, they're it just is. insane. Yeah. 
mean, insane. It's, it's a legit all-star team. Well, I was saying before, because I think we had done this before. Phil, we had discussed about this before. Like, when is the last time that a team had an MVP and then traded for another like MVP? You know what I mean? Like, like what ever happened? <laughs> I like, don't think it's ever happened. I mean, at least in when is best when his in eighteen? Yeah, and then uh, of course Bellinger last year. Like, when has that ever happened? Like, it's insane. I don't think people were like giving that the due that it deserves. That like. <laughs> This is Mookie Betts. Albeit, I didn't pick them to win the World Series. But yeah. Yeah, so I think we are all in consensus there. It's going to be fun to see how this goes. And hopefully, fingers crossed, we get to the end of the end of the line here and get actually get through the season. Don't just start it. Yes. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, well. Fingers crossed, right? <laughs> fing- fingers crossed. Knock on that wood every day you can. Guys, I want to thank you for coming on. Give you a chance to plug your social medias. Will, you can go first. Oh, uh, yeah, on Twitter, at WillSchneiderH1. And, yeah, just give me a follow on there. All right. And how about you? Yeah, uh, you can check me out on my photography and stuff. Or like that on Instagram, at Sorbellini Photos. And then, you know, on, uh, if you want to give me a follow on Twitter, it's at Ant Sorbellini. All right. Thanks again, guys, for coming on. It was be a fun season. We'll be checking back in a couple of times. Hopefully, we'll have some updates as the year goes along. Of course. Looking forward to it. All right, up next, show me the money. We're going to do our baseball over-under. It's going to be a challenge of 60 games, but we'll make it happen right after this. Show me the money. All right, we are back. Show me the money. Time to do some baseball over-unders. Join me today. Our podcast legal correspondent, the guy who also did overrunners with me last year, was a tight contest throughout. Phil Fred is here. Phil, how are you? I'm good, Mike. Uh, yeah, don't remind me. Dom Smith, uh, <laughs> last day of the season. Yeah, I don't have the sound queued up here, so I'll spare you from that one. But that was the difference last year was the Mets hitting the over on the last day of the year. Yep. Uh, otherwise, we would have would have tied. But you got me five. Would you were five and one? I was four and two, right? Yep, right about there. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, we'll see how we do this year, although uh, this is going to be really tough with the 60-game season, obviously. It's going to be tough, and I will say, first of all, how shocked you actually made it here and that we looks like we're going to be on track to start the season on time. Uh, yeah, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago I was on here, and I think I pegged it at about 50-50, uh, and it looks like it's the good side of the 50. Um, you know, some numbers were released by the league and the union earlier, today uh, i think they said they got about five positives or so in the past and it's ten thousand or more tests uh so that, that's very very good and if they can hold at that rate they're they're going to be able to do this yeah i i bought the numbers up here this is from tim healy on twitter one of many people reported this mlb and the mlp bpa say there were six new positive covid19 tests out of ten thousand five hundred forty eight samples in the past week that is 0.05 percent Five players, one staff member, and if they're able to have that kind of very low positive rates, I think they stand very good for the chance of being able to do a season. So long as uh, they don't have any interference with any sort of local government, then then yeah, I, if they can keep those numbers, they're they're going to be able to pull this off. But I just uh, hate to throw water on this. Just uh, being realistic. Just remember that they haven't they haven't started traveling yet. Yes, this is the e- this is the easy part. This is the part where they're just going from their homes to the parks and back. Like 
The challenge is going to be when they're hopping on airplanes, when they're going to other cities, going to hotels, and they're going to those new parks and back and forth. Like that's the challenge, right? Yeah, but but so far they they've been able to pull it off. Uh, the increased testing seems like it's working. Uh, the rare instances where you've heard about a guy getting a positive test while in camp has not seemed to spread to the rest of the team. Seems like they've been able to catch it early enough and get him out of there. So. Uh, so, so far, so good. Yes, indeed. And I was talking earlier in the podcast about the rumors that the Nationals not going to be able to host the Yankees on the opening series because of the concern about the D.C. mandated quarantine things. They have got since gotten clearance to host that game. But we do have things to watch with them, with the Dodgers, with Toronto, specifically the three teams where market rules could dictate them possibly having to move the games out of the market if, if it comes necessary. Right. Uh, that's what I was alluding to earlier. Your local governments may not these games go forward but i think that's unlikely because it seems to me like even the most stringent governments on covid restrictions understand that uh being able to play major league baseball and have something on tv for people to watch is probably going to help them with their people please stay home initiative so uh it seems like they they want to do everything they can to get baseball back yeah, the only one that's still up in the air right now is Toronto. We haven't really have an answer on them yet. From what it sounds like, it sounds like the backup plan is going to be Buffalo for them, that if they can't get the government of Canada approved, the team traveling across the border back and forth, and the American teams coming across as well, that sounds like the backup plan is for them to go to AAA Buffalo. Right, and uh, that's I think that's what I had predicted would be the plan a few weeks ago. I'm not surprised by that. It's, it's not far. It's their own affiliate, so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's going on. Before we dive into the overruns, I do want to talk to you about some of the updates of the Mets sale going on here. We had some stuff pop up this week with the whole A-Rod, Steve Cohen, Josh Josh like uh, Josh Harris blitz the Blit, Harris Blitzer Tombo bid. I want to talk, get your opinion on a couple of these things. First off, the rumors earlier in the week about the involvement of Sheldon Adelson in the bid for the Harris group has since been disproven. But the interesting point here is that the land on um, is what attracted Adelson to the bid, where you explain what's going on with the development rights around City Field. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not too familiar with it, but my my understanding is that there's there's a lot. Uh, I guess the the land that was was Shea is is available, and uh, and Alderson seems to think that he can make some money off of off that land. I'm not overly familiar with exactly what he was trying to get at, but that that's my understanding is that basically there's there's some land uh, around city and it, part of owning the Mets is owning that land. So uh, it can be developed and, and used. And it seemed like that was what was rumored to attract him more than the, uh, the baseball team itself, which doesn't really make a lot of sense to me personally, but uh, that, that's what I think was going on. I don't know if you have a different understanding, but that, that was my understanding. Yeah. It's, it's basically what you said. Like the incentive I gather is that like when they were given the, the permit to build City Field back in like 2006, 2007 ish, like they got basically some some land thrown in by Mayor Bloomberg for, from around the park areas where all the chop shops usually are. It's like the ability to redevelop that land supposedly goes back to the city by 2025. So right now the Sterling Equities holds it as part of this sale process. So if you get the team, you get the land rights with it. So that's something that's been rumored to appeal to the Harris Group because they can potentially get the land and then sell the rights to Adelson and make some money back. Yeah. All right. Uh, I mean, that, that makes sense. Uh, but 
I don't I don't know how uh, how big that's going to end up being in, in the in the play, but sure. I mean, if you can sell it, get some money back, that's fine. But by the same token, you know, the Wilpons could sell the land too. So, uh, so I'm, I'm not sure how big of a factor that's going to be. Yeah, there's also been a lot of interesting stuff with the J Rod group coming out. Like, obviously, we've heard about big names coming out with. Some of these foreign football players, current football players like Brian Urlacher, Travis Kelsey, a lot of minority a- a lot of athletes are just joining the bid. And then we've heard some op-ed pieces today from athletes like Bradley Beal and the Wizards saying that, you know, that MLB should get a minority owner in there in A-Rod. But then A-Rod's also gone out and shot himself in the foot by basically coming out and saying, we, like, players should take a salary cap. And he's tried to walk it back. We've had a bunch of players rip him for this. What's your take on the A-Rod thing right now? Well, look, I think that A-Rod has really changed his image. Obviously, he's public enemy number one uh, about 10 years ago. Now he's he seems to be beloved by everybody. I think that the Major League Baseball of all the groups would prefer the Rodriguez group. Uh, I think they think it would be nice to have A-Rod as a, a face of a franchise, so to speak, for the Mets, uh, which is weird to say that the owner would be the face of the franchise, but he, he probably would. Um, and I think they like the idea that he's not going to come in there and just throw money around like Cohen would, which I think we're going to get to and have already discussed on this podcast. Uh, so from that standpoint, I think they like it, but, but yeah, I mean, coming out and saying, I want a salary cap, uh, when, he knows full well what has been going on in the labor negotiations between MLB and MLBPA. MLBPA is not going to be happy if he ends up getting the team. Now that they're they're going to they're going to be pretty uh, pretty upset about that for obvious reasons. I also think it's a dumb thing for Alex to say, just on the regards. He's still a broadcaster for ESPN and Fox, and he needs to be able to have relations with these players. And you're going out there basically saying like you guys shouldn't get paid as much as you do right now. That's not a good way to build relationships with, around the league with the players. No, it's not. And, and it's, and it's look, I, I like A-Rod. Uh, you know, people who listen to this podcast know I'm a Yankee fan. I liked him when he played for the Yankees. But uh, let's not pretend that when Alex Rodriguez wasn't playing, he wasn't squeezing every last dime he could. Uh, it's, it's well known that he did that. I mean, he went to the Texas Rangers because they were offering him more money. Um, so he, uh, he certainly, you know, it kind of, it, it doesn't sit right with me that a guy, after a guy gets his money, now he's complaining about other people getting money. That, that doesn't seem right. It doesn't sit right with me either. And he, along with the Harris group and with Steve Cohen are into round two with the bidding, the rumors, and the mystery bidder are still floating around, but I don't think there's actually anything there. Sounds like he's down to those three. And right now round two, the big difference is that the teams are going to, learn about the Mets finances. The Mets are going to show them the books. Steve Collins already seen the books. He's a minority owner and he's seen them before in the initial sale. So what kind of impact do you think that them seeing the finances and they're supposedly not great. And that was before the pandemic. So I can only imagine what they're like now. How do you think this could impact the sale? Yeah, I think it could definitely impact the sale. Uh, you know, Steve, uh, Steve Cohen is, uh, a, a big, big money guy. And, uh, I don't think I've said this before. I don't think the other owners want him as an owner here. Uh, I I think they're afraid that he's going to spend too much. And so, and, and now, uh, especially with the whole coronavirus situation, I think that concern is even more 
uh, more than it was in the past. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about, about that because, you know, a lot of these owners, no secret guys like Mookie Betts are going to be free agents. They don't want to pay him, but Steve Cohen comes in. Maybe he throws him a ton of money. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's going to impact the bidding significantly. I think it will. I also think Steve Cohen, like, I think the thing about looking specifically at the Mets books, which all three of these groups are going to do right now is like the Mets books. They're a mess because we've heard them, her reports them shifting loans around and that they basically for the past like decade and basically been like shuffling their money around, make, make payments and make sure they can pay off their stadium debt. I just think that like, I could see somebody like a Harris group, just get a look at those books and say, you know what? I don't want any part of this. This is much messier than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. I think that's also a concern. Uh, you, you know, you, the, I think I said this on, on your, when we talked about this last, but, it, but if I didn't buying a baseball team is not, it's not a solely economic transaction because there are a lot of things that you can do with that kind of money and make more money on than buying a baseball team. Uh, if you're going to do it, you're, you're doing it partially just because you, you, you want to own a baseball team. You love the game. You want to be an owner. I'm not sure if the Harris group fits, fits that criteria. Yeah, I don't think they do. I I think they're they're looking for the value play. They're like, oh, we're going to build a regional network. We'll put the the Mets, the Devils, and the Sixers together. That's sort of their idea, I think. But look, you can make money. I'm not, I'm not saying you can't make money owning a baseball team. You certainly can. But it's you don't do it just for the money. If you're doing it, there's, there's more reasons there. I think the A-Rod group obviously is in it for because Alex loves baseball. I think Cohen's in it because he loves baseball. I just I'm not sure if Harris is there. And like you said, if if you're not in it for the love of baseball, at least in part, and you see the sloppiness of the Mets financial situation, you may want no part of that. Yeah, and you brought up the thing earlier about Steve Cohen being approved by the owners. This is a quote from an MLB insider in the New York Post this week, courtesy of Thornton McInerney, who's been on top of the sale for a while. Multiple sources tell the Post that the only hiccup Cohen would face has nothing to do with his 2016 SEC settlement and everything to do with other owners being concerned that a new owner with $13 billion might complicate the league's upcoming collective bargaining agreement. They probably would need assurances to get some assurances that he would play fair on salary, said one baseball insider. A person familiar with the approval process described Cohen chances as, not a slam dunk, but I do think he'd be approved. What's your take on that quote from the insider? Now that that's exactly what I told you when we originally talked about Steve Cohen buying the team. Uh, I'm not surprised at all. And I, I can't believe that somebody would actually say it because, again, if I'm MLBPA, that's more ammo for me in, in my negotiation. But, yeah, the, these guys are driving down salaries. I've told you that on this podcast before. It's a concerted effort to keep salaries down, and they're afraid that a guy like Steve Cohen comes in there and blows that effort up. Says, you know what, guys, uh, I understand that. You want to keep salaries down, but Mookie Betts is a top five player in baseball. Uh, my team needs him, and I'm going to pay him $500 million. Yeah, the thing I don't understand about that sentence is I get the idea that they're concerned with the salaries. So like, how is he going to complicate the CBA? That's what I don't get in this whole process. Well, what I think they mean is he complicates the CBA because the owners can't cry poverty if Steve Cohen's there throwing around money at people. Because if Cohen can afford it, then then – you know, it causes everybody else to have to afford it in order to keep their teams competitive. So it, it, I, I think that's what they're saying. It's, it's almost like a trickle down. Yeah. Uh, 
Cohen starts giving out big salaries and then all of a sudden the league can't stick with their, their, uh, you know, um, battle cry that we, we can't afford to pay people this much. Now that, that's, that's been a big trick as for the owners for a while now. Well, we, we can't afford it. Otherwise we have to raise ticket prices and then they raise the ticket prices anyway. So I think that they're afraid that Cohen's going to blow up that whole facade. Yeah, and Steve Cohen, I do think that he's still the favorite here. I feel like he has the most money, has the most motivated to actually get this team. So I also think, like, in the end of this day here, it's like, I could also see Steve Cohen saying, yeah, 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 I'll do what you want. And then as soon as he gets gets through, he's just doing what he wants anyway. That's I don't think there's any way MLB can actually like say to him, like, we are not going to give you a team unless you sign here saying you're going to keep salaries down. Because, again, that's something that could, the league could, could just get, be, end up being forced to give up in, in CBA negotiations. No, absolutely not. That that is textbook collusion. Can't do that. Uh, that the the that the union would win a grievance on that easily. You, you can't do that. So th- this is all wink and a nod type thing. And you're right. He could just give him the wink and the nod, and then just steamroll him anyway. Which which he very well would do. I think he's a favorite too. Although I I, I wouldn't sleep on a Rod's group because they they do have a lot of different different voices and people and, and the rumors at least that the Wilpons would prefer to sell the A-Rod's group. Uh, I'm not sure how true that is because you'd have to think they'd want to just sell the highest bidder. But uh, I think that those one of those two are going to get it. I, I'd be surprised if the Harris group wins this bidding. Yeah, I think the thing that – I think the A-Rod's group knows that I don't – I think that they are having problems raising the capital. I think is why we're seeing some of these things like – we're leaking that we have stars coming in. Now all of a sudden we have opinion pieces popping up in papers about how Steve Cohen's a bad guy, sort of try and stir up some sort of beef between him and the Wilpons, sort of get him out of the mix so they make it clears a path for the A-Rock. I feel like there's sort of a lot of posturing going on out that side right now. Yeah, I agree. And and the one thing that they may be able to use is when we the Wilpons want to be a part of the Mets. They want to sell the team, but they still want to be a part. And that's why the Cohen deal blew up the first time because Cohen, you know, he, he wasn't going to fly for that. If, if I'm going to pay you all this money for this team, I want the team. If, if the A-Rod group is willing to give the Wilpons some sort of position or control over something related to the organization, they might be able to get the leg up even if they can't outbid them on the capital because I think that's important to the Wilpons. I think it is too, but for, I, I just have a hard time seeing Alex Rodriguez being like as involved as he is in his own company, saying, you know what? Okay, Jeff, take my money and run my team for five years. I have a hard time seeing him agree to do that. No, I don't think he would agree to do that, but could I see him giving Jeff some sort of role in the organization? Maybe. Yeah, well, that's... But I think that if, I think if A-Rod buys a team, A-Rod's going to want to run that team. Yeah, I think A-Rod does want to run a team. I think he wants to outdo Jeter, but we'll put a pin in that. We'll see how that develops. We'll get to the over-unders right now. We're going to do this. Basically, the, we have the numbers. We have them from FanDuel Sportsbook right now. There's a pretty interesting range. The top two right now, the Red Yankees and the Dodgers, 37.5 over-under total. The low is the Orioles at 20.5. It makes it a very complicated thing because there's a lot of these teams are around 31, 32, 20, 20, like 29, 30. There's a lot of teams right in that middle. Yeah, look, uh, I, I'm going to caveat this this is almost impossible uh anybody who watches baseball knows 
that over a 60-game stretch, pretty much anything could happen. I mean, even take a look at last year, the Detroit Tigers, I think they ended up losing 120 games or close to it. They were 500 teams with 40 games. So you just never know what's going to happen in a 60-game season. So uh, for all the listeners, I would not run to the sports book with what me or Mike's about to say here and uh, go put your bet in. This is more... I consider this to be more for fun, just uh, doing the best we can and see what happens. Yeah, this is more of a fun exercise where we're sitting here kind of going, hey, like we got like we got some games here. We're going to have some fun with this. And the books are saying, you know, you have to play 50, play over 59 games to get the bet in. So they're not even going to pay you that much if you have to miss like a week of season. You're not going to get paid on those. Right. And that makes sense. Uh, both, both Going both ways. Yeah, so we're going to – this is going to be for fun. If you have a strong feeling, we're not going to stop you, but don't take our uh, picks for wisdom here because this could be – we could all – we could be 6 now. We could be 0-6. This is how crazy it is in a 60-game season. Yeah, uh, this is just uh, just doing it for fun. So right. uh, I'm ready whenever you are. All right, so since you are the guest, uh, we'll give you the choice. Would you like the first pick or the second and third picks? Uh, I'll take second and third. You can take the first one. All right. Since I have the first one, I have I'm gonna go with my gut here. I had a strong stance on this team like th- for the last the last couple of weeks. I feel very good about them. I think they're gonna win their division. I'm going to my Mets over eighty one or thirty one and a half wins, and I think thirty two and a half wins. I think this is basically you go thirty three and twenty nine, you get it. Thirty three twenty seven, excuse me. I think the Mets can win that division. I think the Braves are gonna be a little bit of a slow start because Freddie Freeman just got to camp. They don't have Marcakis. Yasiel Puig supposed to place him. He's not in the mix anymore right now because he tested positive coronavirus. I don't like the Nationals as much this year. Phillies are the Phillies. They're going to be tough. I don't think they're going to be a big factor. I like the Mets over 32.5. I think they can win this division. I think they'll take more than 32.5 wins to get there. I I agree. That was uh, on my list. My I, I think that the universal designated hitter is a huge benefit for the Mets. The Mets, uh, you know, they, they have a, at least two or three DHs on that team. And and now you're going to be able to get those guys in the lineup, whether that's Cespedes or Cano uh, or even even uh, Conforto, give him a day at the DH spot. I, I think the DH is going to be a big, big plus for the Mets. My only concern is I know that DeGrom has this back issue. I don't know if there's been an update on that. Yeah, uh, but obviously the Mets need Degrom to take a ball every time. In order to yeah, compete. the latest on Degrom right now is he threw a bullpen this morning, came out of it okay. He's throwing fifty to sixty pitches and a side session on Sunday, and then he's if all goes well there, he is going to start opening day. That's the latest I've heard on him. So long as you have a healthy Degrom, I, I I agree with that one. I think over for the Mets. Okay, so you have the next two picks. So where are you going with your first one? So I'm going to first one, I'm going to borrow from a team I took last year, uh, Milwaukee Brewers over. I have them at 30 and a half. Uh, I think the Brewers are a good team. Um, last year, they were playing very well. And then, you know, Yelich came up with the injury and then they kind of limped into the playoffs. But uh, I think that a healthy Brewer team is a good team. Uh, I can see them winning that division even. So I like the Brewers over 30 and a half. Yeah, it's an interesting pick because obviously they got Yelich. They got some good got pieces on there. I feel like they also did a massive revamp of their team. They switched out about like eight or nine guys, brought eight or nine new guys in to sort of like keep the finances together. But 
I think having Yelich is a great start. I could see it because the NL Central is very tight. There's four teams that are really close to Garrett and the Pirates stink, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Brewers have a good year. Yeah, uh, and, and 30 and a half isn't a great year even. I mean, all I needed to do is go 31 and 29. They got to play 500 ball. Yep, that's the kind of logic you're looking so, for in, in a 60-game season. Right. So uh, I don't think it's crazy, so I'm going to go with them. Uh, my second pick here... Uh, I'm going to go under on the San Francisco Giants at 25 and a half. I just I don't see any anything on the Giants that that make you makes you happy. Uh, Posey's out for the season now; he doesn't want to play due to COVID. They lost Bumgarner. Uh, it, it's just a team that doesn't seem to have much of anything. So uh, I I don't think the division's great. The Dodgers are good, obviously. I think Arizona's okay. Colorado's competitive but i think the 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 padres are competitive the giants seem like the clear worst team in that division so i'm gonna go under 25 and a half yeah i I like that pick i didn't think about it as much but the logic makes a lot of sense because that's an old team there's a lot of guys there who are not going to be motivated if they start if that team gets off to a bad start i can see a bunch of their guys sort of mentally checking out if they get up to september 1st and they're like Seven and seventeen, or something like that. I could see them easily just like folding, like packing it in if they're have nothing to play for, or even opting out. That's also possible. All right. So, so yeah, uh, under on the Giants. Okay, so you have an under on you have one each on the board. My next pick, I'm gonna go. I'm looking my list here, seeing what I like. I, in terms, I'm gonna actually go with an under here. I'm gonna take the Red Sox under thirty and a half wins because. I don't think this team is very good. Losing Mookie Betts is a massive downgrade. Regardless, they they lost Chris Sale at Tommy John surgery before the season even started. Eduardo Rodriguez, their number one starter right now, has, has tested positive coronavirus. We don't know when he's showing up. They're playing against the National League East and the American League East, which are two very good divisions. I don't think that team is good. They can hit, but they don't really have anybody who can pitch. Nathan of all these are top starter, and I think this team could easily be below 500. Give me the Red Sox under 30 and a half. Yep, I uh, agreed with that one. The Red Sox are a very strange team uh, the past decade or so. They, they've had these just absolutely dreadful seasons, and then they go on and win the World Series, and then they, they're, they're terrible again. That's, yeah. uh, that's been a trajectory that they've been taking, and I, it looks like they're on the down here. Uh, they've been able to rebuild real quick, but this season was kind of a throwaway for them to begin with once they made the Mookie Betts trade. Now the short season, I... I I just don't see them doing much. Yeah, besides, I mean, the, besides the two the games of the Rays and the Yankees are going to beat them up. T- Toronto's good, and Toronto will give them a fight. And those four NLEs teams, they have a lot of games with them who can give them a lot of trouble. So I'm not, I would not be thrilled if you're a Red Sox fan this year. No, uh, not not a year to be a Red Sox fan. All right, where are you going with your next pick? So you you hit hit it at it a little bit there. Uh, I'm going to go over on the Toronto Blue Jays. I have them at 27 and a half. I, I think the Blue, the Blue Jays have a lot of good young talent on that team, as, uh, as everybody saw last year with all these sons of Hall of Famers coming up. Uh, and I, I think that that bodes well for them in a short season. Got a lot of young kids uh, who presumably are going to be reared up and ready to play. They they don't have the same kind of day to day concerns about the virus that maybe some of the older guys or families do, so I like the Blue Jays to go in here with those young guys and and compete. I'm not 
I don't, I'm not predicting them to make the playoffs or anything like that, but I could see them getting to 30 wins or going 500 here. Yeah, I had them on my list, too. I like that value there. Anthony Sorrell, when he was just on a couple of minutes ago, he picked them to make the wild card of the American League. I think it's a little far-fetched, but I do think they can be very competitive throughout. 27.5, not a high number. They can still be below 500. They can, you can win that bet. Right. Uh, all I got to do is get to 28, and then and, and I win that one. And I wouldn't say wild card because I don't love their pitching, but I do think they have a lot of good young talent on offense, and I think they can – muscle out a few wins. Uh, my The downside is, like you said, they are going to be playing some very, very good teams all year, but I think a short season benefits a team like that. Okay, okay I'm back up. I'm going back to the under. Well, I'm going to steal one that you had last year, just on the logic. I know the number is tight, but this team is still horrendously bad, and I don't see how their schedule is going to give them the round to win this many games. I'm taking the Orioles under the 20 and a half wins because Baltimore has not gotten much better from year to year. They, their best player, Trey Mancini, was already out for the season before this even started here. You're playing the National League East now, which means you get a lot of games against good teams, and the American League East is a beast to begin with. Like, I don't think Baltimore might win. Baltimore might win 15 games this year, so give me the Orioles with the under here at the 20 and a half. Yeah, the number's so low that it scared me, but I can't disagree with any of your logic. I could see that. Yeah, the concern I have is the number is so low. Because, like, I could, like... If they could go twenty-one and thirty-nine, and I could still lose the bet, but I think I think they're bad enough, and especially if they get off to a bad start, I could see a lot of like the players who are saying, you know, what am I doing here? Why am I caring about this team? And just you know, mail it in for the last month. Sure, I can see that. All right, so the or I have the or two or two, you have two overs and an under at this point. Where are you going with your next pick? I'm going to go for my last over, uh, and it's a it's a bit of a homer pick, and I'm not. I'm not crazy about it, but I'm going to go the Yankees over the 37 and a half. And the reason why is something you just alluded to. If you look at the Yankees schedule, their last 30 games of the year are against absolute crap. They play the Orioles a bunch of times. They play the uh, Toronto. They play Toronto, who I don't think it's crap, but they play the Marlins a bunch of times. They, they, They have a very, very soft landing. And I think that you are going to get to a point in September where people on the Orioles and guys on the Marlins are, what the hell am I doing here? There's no crowds. They're, they're, what, what is even exciting me about this? Yeah, I'm, all right, I'm going to get my paycheck, but that's about it. Uh, so I, I think that the Yankees are going to feast on that, and I can see the Yankees getting to 40 because of it. Yeah, I, I like that pick. I, I, the number is the overs. I didn't take them because it's a high number. I also don't have them winning the division. I think the A at least be a very tight two-team race, but I think the Yank, that number could easily have. They have the most talent in the American League, and they could easily hit the over. Right. Now, obviously, there's concerns with uh, they, they injuries. Uh, keep hearing more about Aaron Judge. Is now his neck hurts. Stanton can't play the outfield. Chapman's got coronavirus. So that, that, that concerns me. And it's a short season, and they can easily limp out of the gate. But I just I think that the schedule gods gave them a very very soft landing, and they could take advantage. Yeah, they did. I'm going to go to the overwhelm next. I'm going to take the Cincinnati Reds over 31 and a half. I think this team will win the National League Central this year. They have a lot of good pitching. They have a talented lineup. I don't think the Central is great shakes right right now. And Cincinnati's all in this year. Trevor Bauer is playing for a contract. A lot of guys are playing for contracts in that team. Cincinnati has a good lineup. I think the 
this is just right for the taking. Those games against the American League Central helped them out a lot. Give me the Reds over 31 and a half. Uh, that one I disagree with. I don't like the Reds. I didn't like them last year. I still don't like them. I think they're overrated. I, I know that they have some pieces and they keep getting better, but I, I just I don't love them. I like the Cubs better. I like the Cardinals better. And I like the Brewers better. Well, that is fair. We'll agree to disagree on that. I have the, the Reds, my NL Central champion, so I'm going to take them over 31 and a half. Fair enough. Uh, all right. I guess I'm up with an under now. Um, so I'm going to stick with the NL East. Under Miami Marlins, 24 and a half uh, for a lot of the same reasons we already talked about. They're playing the NL East with the other four teams are clearly better than them. And they're playing the AL East where all the teams are better than them, I think, except Baltimore. Yeah. So uh, I just think they their schedule is going to beat them, beat them down. And um, I'm going with the under on them for that reason. Yeah, I would agree with that. The Marlins did get a little better, but... It's not enough in this division where you're playing 40 games against four very good teams, plus another, like, six against the Rays, four, I think three or four against the Yankees. Toronto's tough. Like, the wins, I don't know where they're coming from. No. Uh, it's baseball, so anything can happen, but I I, I don't really, I don't like them on. Yeah, that's your second one. Okay, I have an over and an under to go. I'm going to take my final under here. I'm going to take the Washington Nationals under 33 and a half wins because I think right now, like, there's a risk they get off to a slow start because they have so many guys who are, you know, late into camp because they've had to deal with the quarantine rules in D.C. This team already has a bit of a weak line after losing Anthony Rendon a year ago. They still have great starting pitching, but they won the playoffs because if their starters were short, they could put another starter behind them in the bullpen. You cannot do that in a regular season. They only have only... A couple of quality relievers, and one of them, Sean Doolittle, is kind of on the fence here. He said, you know what, I'll see how this goes. Like He could be an opt-out risk. I don't like the Nationals this year. I think there might be a little bit of a hangover here. I think they're going to be under the 33.5. I think I have them missing the playoffs entirely. I agree with all that. Uh, I think the, I don't think, I don't see where they're going to get enough offense from. Without uh, Soto's great, but without Rendon, I just they, they there's not a lot of offense there. No, it's not. Because, I mean, they have good starting pitching. Losing Ryan Zimmerman's a bigger deal than they want to admit because, like, he's a guy who would have played a lot for them this year, and now they don't have him. So, like, you're hoping that guys like some of your younger players, like your Carter Keybooms, your Victor Robles, is you all that step up and play bigger roles because they're going to have to step up for that offense to be quality this year. Right, and, and let me say one thing. Uh, I Starting pitching in a short season, I think is actually a not as big of an advantage as it is in a long season. And the reason I say that is these guys have not had a lot of time to build up. So I don't think you're going to have many starters going out there in the seventh and eighth. Not that you have that regular baseball anyway, but I think you're really not going to see it a lot now. And it's the way that pitching works over a season. When you look at some of these baseball's top pitchers, so the the way I've been thinking about this is that 60 games would put you in a normal season on about Memorial Day, give or take, right? Yeah, about there. So if you go and look at some of the top-line pitchers in baseball, what their numbers are on Memorial Day, you're not going to be that impressed for the most part. Generally, the way it works is pitchers kind of lock in in the second half and just completely shut down the, the opposition. So I, I, I think you're not going to see that benefit. So I, I agree with you. Any team that has it relies on starting pitching. I think the short season is a disadvantage for them. 
Yeah, not only that, it's like the bullpen is a major advantage. I love your Yankee pick because they have so many quality relievers that they can shorten games. If their star is not going deep, it doesn't matter. They have a bunch of guys who can go in there. You don't have to worry about burning them out as much because you're playing a sprint as opposed to a marathon where if you overuse your bullpen by May, they're dead for the rest of the year and you're screwed. Whereas here, you're just getting prime for the playoffs. Right. The, the Yankees' strategy is real simple. If you're Aaron Boone, unless the guy on the mound named Garrett Cole, he's going five innings and you take him out. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, it's that simple. It is that simple. And you are on the clock for your final pick. So where are you going for your last uh, under? This is a tough one. Uh, I've looked around and around, and I'm, I'm kind of just struggling to even find somewhere to go. But let me go under on the Atlanta Braves. Uh, I, I agree with a lot of what you said about the Braves. They do have a lot of good young talent, but I'm not sure they have enough in means in the way of the bullpen or the starting pitching to to get over the top there. I know Freddie Freeman had coronavirus, and apparently it took a big toll on him. Uh, I guess he's back in camp now, but from all accounts, it, it really – really beat him up pretty bad. So you got to assume he's going to take a while to get going. And the number is 33 and a half. So I got some, you know, they could still be a competitive team and, and miss it. So I'm going to go under Atlanta Braves. Yeah, that's what I was on the fence about with the Braves. I had them on my potential under list. I do think they can recover and get in the playoffs. Like it's about 33 wins just to get him right at the number. But like, I think the land is concerning because you have Marquez opted out. You have, they have a bunch of guys opt out or deal with the coronavirus, which is not great for them and tough schedule. I get the Mets right out of the gate. I think like seven times the first week of the season. So that's something that you could look at and say, boy, like that's a lot of games early. That if the Mets put a number on them early, that could put the Braves way behind. I agree. And and early on in the season, so this this kind of contradicts what I said earlier. So let me try to explain. Early in the season, it's typically the pitching who has the advantage because of the way that this works. You know, you only got three weeks to get your timing back. So I would think pitchers are going to have the advantage early. I think towards the middle of the season is when the pitcher starts to lose their advantage uh, in, a, in a typical season. So I, I agree. I would not want to play a team like the Mets in the first week of the season where you're going to see DeGrom and Stroman and, and those type of guys. I, I do not want to see them early on. I think they're going to shut you down. Yeah, so that so that's a good that's a good pick. I like that. That's the last one you have on the board. I have one more to go. I have one over left, and I'm trying to decide where I want to go with this one. And I think just because the competition is going to be so pitiful, I'm going to take the Twins over 34 and a half wins. Just again, the very good team, a lot of good pieces on that team. They brought Josh Donaldson in to help make the offense even more potent, and a lot of games against the Kansas City Royals, a lot of games against the Detroit Tigers. A lot of games against the Pirates who stink, and they are very good. I think they will pile up the victories. I think this team wins like 35, 36 games easy. Give me the Twins. I, I like that pick too, uh, and and uh, they don't have to play the Yankees, so you, you're, you have that advantage too because we all know that the Twins, if they didn't have to play the Yankees, I'm, I think they could probably win the World Series, but the, the way that they they are, they run into the Yankees, and that's the end of it. Yeah, they literally, as, as the great Rick Cerrone put on this podcast last year for the playoffs, he said the Twins are the Washington Generals to the Yankees Harlem Globetrotters. Pretty much. Uh, I mean, knock on wood, because I could see them seeing each other this year. But uh, so who's your uh, who's your World Series then? 
I said this earlier in the podcast. I had the Dodgers topping the Rays. All right, uh, I like the Rays. I could, I could see it. Uh, I, I, I mean, yeah, I think you have to pick the Dodgers. I think they're the clear favorite in the National League. Yeah, they, American League. Uh, they are far American and away League. the best team in the National League. Yeah, that, I, I think that's right. In the American League, I guess you I think you have a three-way toss-up between the Yankees, the Rays, and the Astros. Yeah, I don't like I don't like the Astros as much this year. I think they'll get there, but I just think that like the clock is starting to run out on them because guys can start getting paid. Verlander's getting up there in age. Losing Cole's a massive deal. I think they could be. This might I think this might be the last ride for this core. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But Houston still has the, they're still the best team in their division by far. And you get and you still get into a playoff series. They they have Verlander. They have Granky. That, that I still think they could compete in a short series. Uh, and then, of course, you know, the, the Rays and the Yankees, I, I expect to be a very, very tight race uh, for that division. Yeah, I took the Rays in the division by just a nose over the Yankees because I think 1-15, to 15, I think their pitching depth is better than the Yankee pitching depth. I think that's going to be the difference for them in the shorter season. They're better in the rotation. I agree. The bullpen is pretty much a toss-up. The Yankee offense is a lot better, but the Yankee offense, to me, is a tremendous question mark because I don't know who is going to be in the lineup on a given day, given the, the what what we've seen with the injuries. I, I mean, I'm I'm pretty shocked that it's you know, it's July 17 and we still don't know if Giancarlo Stanton can play the outfield. I thought the guy pulled his calf, so uh, so I'm I'm a little worried about that. But uh, but yeah, I could I could see it. Uh, my World Series, I I'll go with the Yankees just because I'm a fan. I'll say they'll beat the Dodgers, but that's not a confident pick. That's more of a fan pick with my heart. Yeah, well, I could see the Yankees getting there, too. That's, def- that's definitely the other option. To recap the over-unders, mine were the Mets over 32.5, the Red Sox under 30.5, the Orioles under 20.5, Reds over 31.5, Nationals under 33.5, Twins over 34.5. No teams out of the West for me. You had... The Brewers over 30 and a half. The Giants under 25 and a half. The Blue Jays over 27 and a half. Yankees over 37 and a half. Marlins under 24 and a half. And the Braves under 33 and a half. We basically hit the entire National League, American League East, except for I think the Phillies and the Rays. Yeah. Uh, probably not a coincidence. There's probably a little homer there. Uh, but yeah, that that's. That's what we know, and and I think it's I think those are the most interesting divisions in baseball. I think the rest of them are, with the exception of probably the NL Central. That, that's that's a bit of a toss up, but the rest of them you you have clear favorites. Uh, I think Minnesota is a clear favorite. The Dodgers are a clear favorite, and uh, Houston, Houston, right? Houston, clear favorite. Yeah, because I think barring something crazy like a massive run of injuries on any of those teams, I do think that like. These, those are the clear favorites. I think everybody safely pencils those three into the playoffs. I think when I did the division like picks with, with uh, Schneiderhan and Anthony Sorbellini earlier in the podcast, we agreed that clean sweep on those three divisions. Yeah, so uh, so it's not as fun to pick over-unders in divisions like that either. So I think that's where we got where we are. But the team I do before, uh, before we sign off here, the team that I'm really interested in seeing this year is the Angels. Uh, I'd like to see how the Angels operate with a with Mike Trout and assuming he plays with the with the situation and Otani. I, I want to see how that works out uh, for for the Angels. 
Yeah, my actually my dark horse pick. I make I actually picked Shohei Otani to be the American League MVP. I don't think there's so many guys who are going to be so tight together with their numbers that if Otani's good on both on the mound and at the plate, I think that this could be a series. And we go, oh, he did so much in sixty games. He's the MVP. Could be. Yeah, I'm excited to see him play this year. I am too, Phil. Thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. All right, thanks, Mike. Uh, and happy to jump on anytime. And uh, we'll see who wins this Met Met bidding. All right, and that will do it for the first part of our weekly podcast, the opening of the baseball season coming upon us. I want to thank this week's guests. I want to thank Jason Stark from The Athletic. Take the time to call in and talk about his thoughts on the baseball season. The baseball beat Will Schneiderhan and Anthony Sorbellini as well, getting their time to go through some things, make some predictions, have some fun getting ready for the season. And our legal correspondent, Phil Freyetta, doing the over-unders as well in this week's edition of Showing the Money. If you want more good stuff like this podcast, including my look at what some of the issues the NFL's got to go through. Remember them. We have not talked about them on the podcast since the end of the draft in April, but they have their own set of issues. We're going to go through all that. Check out the blog over at justendthesuffering.wordpress.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. Simply search for Just End the Suffering on any of those platforms and check out oral episodes there. A lot of good ones of late. We had a Yankee special with Dan Federico from the Bushville a couple weeks ago. A Met preview last week with Tim Healy on Newsday. Anthony McCarron, SNY, talk about the baseball legal drama uh, and all that stuff back in last month. So check all that stuff out in the archives. You can also leave your feedback and star ratings as well. That was this podcast even better going forward. As a new sports calendar starts, we get new sports coming in. Let's get some new listeners into the podcast. A lot of fun stuff happening here. Let's get more people involved in the party here. You can also follow my YouTube channel, Mike Phillips, on YouTube. I put the individual segments on the episodes out there. So if you just want to hear Jason Stark and me talking baseball, search for my YouTube channel, Mike Phillips, on YouTube. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. We'll go with the hashtag, Baseball is Back, as this week's hashtag for part one. Baseball is Back, the hashtag you made to part one of the podcast. Coming up next, two days... Part two, the baseball movie draft. John Stanko, Sandra Rosa, Alan Austin here. Until then, play ball, everybody. This has been the Just End the Suffering podcast. I'm out.